0: Alright, hello Idiots on Parade, the Too Ugly for TV podcast. Bonus podcast, hello my friend Barrett. How are you, sir? I am well. uh, Something I haven't done in the past that I think I should start doing um, for people new to the podcast or just bored in quarantine looking for something to do. Uh, My name is Nathan Timmel, comedian living in the Midwest. That is Barrett Antar Goodwin, musician living uh, in New York, And we've known each other for 30 years, and basically what we're going to do is just start talking, and uh, hopefully you'll find it interesting enough to listen along as we go. Yes. All right, do you have anything you want to talk about, or would you like to go with something uh, bouncing around my noggin?
1: Oh, please, tell me what's going on in your brain.
0: I was thinking about something, um, well, specific to me, but that you and I have been talking about uh, for the past few weeks um my ego and or the ego and in relation to me i'm trying to figure out hmm, why i have such a i don't want to say a weak ego or what we talked about i think it was last week or if not last week two weeks ago Was i put out a new comedy album and i was kind of hurt um I, i put it out on social media and a bunch of comedian friends that I know that I've done, in my mind, maybe their opinion's different, a lot for, gotten them their first gig at comedy clubs, taken them with me on the road, got them into new places they'd never been to, you know, like I've really helped them comedically, just sort of ignored it, didn't didn't share, didn't say good job, didn't say, wow, I didn't know this, or just just nothing, just completely ignored it. I'm like, all right, well, you know, like, I get that they're living their own lives and it's a crazy time and we're all in quarantine So I understand it, but I still have an ego and it's kind of hurt. You know, it's like, wow, I I do a lot for you and I don't feel that's reciprocated. The flip side of that is I got paid an amazing compliment. And my entire life, if someone compliments me, I either diffuse it, deflect it, negate it. And my wife hates it. She tells me it's rude that when someone pays me a compliment and I blow it off or change the subject or quickly, you know, like, oh, hey, squirrel, look, look, you know, I, I, that was a bad impersonation, but you know, the movie up squirrel, you know, I, I quickly act as if the compliment didn't happen. And i that's just interesting. It's like the flip side of the ego on the one side, I share something and I'm like, hey, I want this to be acknowledged and paid attention to. But then if someone acknowledges or pays attention to me, I quick downplay it. And I found that was interesting when when I got the compliment. Thoughts?
1: <clears throat> well, wow. So many. Um, first thing is, I, I agree with your wife. I, I used to do that a lot, and somebody really told me about it, and then I actually read about it somewhere, which, you know, must be true if it's in a book. But um, it mm-hmm. basically... That's true <laughs> than if it's on the Internet. Usually the, internet, yeah. the Internet's more factual than books. <laughs> exactly. But... If you, like, it it almost feels like when you negate someone's compliment, it's almost like you're telling them that they're stupid.
0: Yes, right? that's what my wife says. That's exactly what she you says. Know,
1: and, and, and I used to, right, people would come up and compliment my playing after a show, and I'd be like, oh, my God, what are you, crazy? I'm terrible. Or some, you know, I maybe not that, but just something equally as ridiculous. And the people would always be stunned, like, so you were saying I have bad taste in music? Do you know what I mean? Like, like that's yeah. essentially how it gets translated. Now, whatever, that's not what you're saying. And, I mean, I would tie that into exactly what uh, I would say to you, is that, again, at, at the end of the day, I think that... Uh, in all things, really, there's got to be a bit of outcome independence. Do you know what I mean? Like, you put out your CD and you do, you do the best you can.
0: Very and quickly, you, can I interrupt? Yes, please. I, I want to tell the listeners, uh, you should play a drinking game. Every time Barrett says, do you know what I mean? Do no. a shot. You're, you're <laughs> going to get fucking wasted. It is, I mean, if, if you want a drinking game. This that's is like uh this is like uh watching a trump rally and taking a <laughs> shot every time you know locker up or something like that, so <laughs> apologies, but just want to give anyone the heads up that that's what they can do as they listen,
1: yes indeed <laughs> now I'm all self conscious oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> But no, I'm kidding. I if it if it comes out, it's just going to come out. I, I'm gonna, I'll do my best to censor it, but you know, not to the point. Just be of, you, like, you goofball. Just yeah. be you. But I mean, but that's kind of it, right? Like, like at the end of the day, I think that, I think that living your life in a in a manner that relies on what other people think is a real problem. You know. And I can only say that from my own experience, because one of the things I work on the most these days is really letting go of the idea that other people's opinions matter more than mine do as it pertains to the person who actually has to live my life. You know what I mean? Like, if people don't have to suffer the same consequences, then I'm not sure... That they're not, I don't need to take their advice. It doesn't need to be my top priority in terms of whether or not it's valid or not just because of who they are, what their station is. Do you know what I mean? And by the I same mean, token, does it
0: vary from person to person? Like, sure. if uh, Cletus the redneck racist says he doesn't like you, um, yeah, you're going to dismiss that. But right. what if you meet. De- Bishop Desmond Tutu, and he sort of gives you some advice. I mean, does advice come from the source, and do you treat it all equally? Obviously, you don't. I don't. I wouldn't think so. But, I mean, there's something to be said for filters and or being open to anything. I mean, not not living for what others say, but then you can also— Again, you can. we could go down so many rabbit holes as to, I'm going to pick and choose to listen to this person and not this person, because— that puts you in an echo chamber that's where we are politically right now with I listen to what I agree with and not what I disagree with when qu- personally um, quite often it's what you disagree with is what you have to hear what you yeah. need to hear to change to grow
1: yes I feel like I mean there's so many different directions to go with that I'll say that <coughs> I think that, hold on, let me have my tea.
0: You've got the COVID, huh?
1: Mm, I don't know, i got something. Um, I think that whether it's Desmond Tutu, well, all right, here's the story, right? Marcus Miller, great bass player, uh, was on a gig one day, and Stanley Clark, another great bass player, his influence. And I'm familiar with right? Stanley
0: Clark, oh yeah.
1: Yeah, right, so uh, that was really for the listeners who may or may not know those things. That was. I assumed you knew those things, but, um, you know, those, right. like, so... I'm, I'm sorry, I'm trying to forget the story right in my head. Okay, so Marcus Miller is playing this gig, right? And he's doing his thing. And he looks over, and on stage left or something, there's Stanley Clark off on the wings. And he gets completely nervous, and he fucks up, right? And he realized at that moment that it doesn't matter who's there, and it doesn't matter what they think. He's got a job to do. And that in that moment, I bet that, that changed his life. He, I mean, he went on to become... You know, bass player, producer, artist extraordinaire, you know what I mean? And I kind of have to start to adopt that way of thinking. I feel like I spent a lot of years of my life trying to be perfect and figure out how to make other people happy. And it didn't do much for my life or their lives, you know what I mean, ultimately, you know, and when I started to really like think about what I want to do and how I want to live and the ways in which I want to do things and start to value my own opinion and not need permission and appro essentially approval from other people, right? Like to believe that my stuff, my stuff is only good if these people like it. Do you know what I mean? Like that kind of thinking. Like I really had to get well, myself go, go out down of that, that path that, a little you know because.
0: That changed in in my head what you just said because for a moment it felt like you were treading dangerously close to some of that shit that cunt Anne Rand espouses, where it's me 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 fuck everyone me me me, and that's what it sounded like. I I mean, it started with the Marcus Miller story. I got where you were going.
1: I mean, it is, but but fundamentally, here's the there's like a fundamental belief that I have, right? I believe that for me to let myself off the hook from my past and allow myself to be free from it, then there's a necessity, there's a requirement, and that requirement is first I have to let everyone else off the hook, at least everyone in my support system and probably everyone in general, right? Because if you're a part of my support system, and I refuse to let you off the hook for things you did in the past, then I refuse to allow you to grow in my mind, which means that unconsciously I'm going to do things that keep you where I need you to be so I can stay in my comfort zone. And so if I want to be free from my own comfort zone, I have to free you because you're part of my life because I have to allow you to expand so that I can expand. Like, I think the two things are, I think it's mandatory, right? I don't think it works. Like I can't legitimately free myself from my own past, like, and just forgive myself or whatever. I can't really do that if I'm going to hold your past against you. Like, psychologically, that kind of cognitive dissonance doesn't actually work, right? Like, whatever bullshit shame I try to put upon you automatically comes back on me in any way that I resemble you, right? It's just automatic. It's just how, how we're wired. So I feel like the only way to be free... For me is to allow you to be free, which therefore means that it's almost like, in being selfish, I have to be generous. Do you know what I'm saying? Does it make sense? Yeah. Like okay, that, that explains paradox. it pretty well. Like Do you I, I
0: mean, I, I like I said it. The, it started out with a great story, and right when I interrupted you, I was like, okay, there's the turn that I needed to hear because in the middle was just that little Anne Rand part where I was like, Jesus Christ, where is he going with this? Because it mm. sounds horrible and then yeah then you took that turn you're 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 not living to go back to what you talked about from from his from when marcus was on the stage you're not living to impress others but that doesn't mean you're living in your own world of fuck everyone else
1: yeah you just don't live in a world you don't live in a world where you need other people's approval to live your life right like i feel like I mean, I would do things like I would write a song and then I would send it to a friend and if they liked it, I would think it was good. And it's like, well, I already thought it was good. That's why I wrote it. And that doesn't mean being arrogant. It just means that, like, I wrote it. So I obviously like it. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Because I wrote it. And why do I need someone else to co-sign it in order for it to be good, particularly someone who's not even a fan of the music I would be writing? Right? Like, if I send one of my blues songs to one of my jazz musician friends who doesn't like playing the blues because he thinks it's dumb. Not that he thinks it's dumb. He thinks it's brilliant music when it was done by the masters 50 years ago, 60 years ago. He has no interest in playing it these days. Right? And if I play him a song that's like a straight shuffle, he may be like, yeah, man, that's really cool. I wish it had more X, Y, and Z because that's just what he likes right, then why would I seek his opinion? I should be seeking the opinion of people who would be the fans of the music in the first place. Do you know what I mean? If I was seeking anyone's opinion, you know what I mean? Because maybe I just need to write the songs I love and put them out and just keep doing that over and over and over. Do you know what I mean? Like, Like, at what point do you just do what you love and be genuine, and at what point do you tailor your work for, for the world? Because I find that more people I don't know, I find that, that being genuine is the buy-in, right? Like for any real deep artistic statement, being genuine seems to be the buy-in. you know? And so well, what I was just going to say know, is
0: that uh, <laughs> most artists that I know and respect. I just had a flash of one that I know and respect, but did the opposite of what I'm about to say. Kind of, not really. I'll give you the example in a second. Um, that you, that your audience finds you. If if you don't yeah. try to please everybody, if you just put what you want to do out there, and that, uh, this kind of ties in with the compliment I got, to tell you the truth, but it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you might not be the most popular, but you will have a genuine audience. You won't... Uh, like the, the pop the disposable pop star of the day might have a concert, but you're gonna have, oh oh, I just thought of an idea. Um, shit, I can't think of the name of the band. who's the I think it was a couple of guys or brothers that did the theme song to friends um, is it that's not the replacements, is it?
1: Oh, I have no idea. Mm.
0: So they had the, the hit, they had the song from the TV show Friends, and it was a huge hit song, and I remember when they came to Milwaukee, because I remember the review. I didn't see the concert, but I remember the review. Uh, the review said they got on stage, opened with that song, and the crowd went nuts. And then they played the next song. And the crowd died down a little. Then they played the next song, and the crowd died down a little more. And by their fifth song, the crowd was just sort of talking to one another. So they played the Friends song again, and the crowd went nuts. And they went, thank you, good night. And everybody <laughs> went home happy, even though it only been like a 30-minute show at best. And they were the concert. like they. And so where I was going with this is those people weren't dedicated to the band. They liked that one thing, which pleased Ooh. everybody. But if you are a genuine artist, you will find people that want to be there for you. I think is that where you are going, is you will try and just yeah. be genuine and people I will mean, respond. There are a billion plus uh, people, there are billions, six billion people on the planet. Some of them are bound to think like you, no matter how bizarrely you think, that's why you have foot fetishes and hair fetishes and the Furbies and all that yeah. sort of shit.
1: I mean, yeah, there, there's, I mean, I suppose, like, it just starts to sound hokey, I suppose, after a while, but, like, I really kind of just believe that, right? Like, you do what you do, and if it speaks to people's hearts, then they'll appreciate it, and they'll support you. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's might be naive, and, and that doesn't mean, like, I feel like the superstars are the people who can really deliver a message with emotion That makes people feel a way that they're looking to feel or explain a feeling that they have that they don't know how to explain. And the way that they choose to express that matches up with all of the cultural standards for artistry or attractiveness or whatever it is. you know what I mean? Like the kind of melodies that are popular in the day or the kind of melodies that they write. You know, I feel like it works in a way like that. Right. And that's why you can have geniuses and they'll say this person was before their time, and it's true. It doesn't mean that the person wasn't brilliant. It just means that what the way they expressed themselves wasn't appropriate culturally or people just didn't care about it in society at that time, you know? it doesn't. Or, mean well, look at what just happened today.
0: Care. As we record, um, look at my watch, Wednesday the 8th of... I don't fucking know what month it is. April. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, John Prine died today and he achieved one one thousandth of the of the fame as Britney Spears. But he also achieved one. He he achieved uh, 10 million times the respect she has. I mean, he, he had his own audience and it was small but it was loyal and and the people in the know respect the shit out of him yeah
1: i mean and at the end of the day it's not a competition you know what i mean like britney spears wanted a certain life and so she did a certain thing i you know i don't know her but i know i can imagine that in her heyday her day looked like two hours at the gym two hours with the vocal coach two three four five hours of being bossed around by a handful of producers and micromanagers and told exactly what to sing and having to track the same word 15 times and things like that and then back to the gym and dance lessons and this and that all day for years of her life do you know I'm gonna, what I mean? that I'm was gonna, her life
0: you know i'm gonna argue back and say it was two hours at the gym then two hours of dance practice then no vocal coaching um <laughs> A couple hours in the studio and then the producers took <laughs> over and auto-tuned and then back to the gym and more dancing sure. that's not just sure. that and i'm not saying that I to mean, diminish okay. her i'm making a joke I mean, but i'm right. also serious because you you listen to her albums and she she's not got what? a great vocal command well, or but, a range
1: but, but is she selling vocals is that her design? no that's I why mean, i'm saying she, that you know that's why mean? i'm like, saying i'm not
0: insulting her i'm right. making a joke but i'm also yeah. true she she was a very well-packaged uh, artist piece of material. Uh, but I mean, artist you know, she, is uh, she had you know, some. Say. She, what she was, mean,
1: you know, she had some say. I think it was her idea to wear that little Catholic schoolgirl uniform, um and that blew up. And I think, yeah, I think she like she had a hand in some of her stuff. I just think that, like, when you think about people like her as musicians you'll have a certain attitude about it but if you think of them in a different light i mean not that she's not a musician i, I don't know what she's like as a person I, but i know she works really hard that's what i'll say she worked, she earned what she got like i don't think that was handed to her i think she earned it and i think john prine wanted a different life you know what i mean i think if he wanted to be a pop star he would have written pop songs not that it's so easy to write pop songs. It's not as easy as people think it is. Like, it's actually remarkably difficult to write very simple pop songs. You know what I mean? It's not It's not easy at all. But, well,
0: if it was, we'd all do it. We'd write right, catchy exactly. fucking
1: songs. Right, Like, people act like, just because something is simple doesn't mean it's easy. Many things in life are quite simple, and they're really hard, <laughs> you know? They're just not complex, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's all. What? Oh, I do. I, I, I okay.
0: So th- you reminded me of what I was. What I I said. I thought of an example that counters what I was about to say when I talked about being genuine and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And John Prine and Britney Spears. This is going to sound odd, but stay with me. The 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 middle ground between those two, or the marriage of those two, is the police. The most fucking incredible musicians on the planet who said, huh. This punk music is pretty popular. If we adopt that image, we could be popular too. And then they did what they wanted. I mean, their first album is a mix of straightforward rock, but also, I mean, for a band that looked like a punk band, they've got the song Roxanne on their first album. You know, it's a tango. So they were mercenary in the fact that they knew what they wanted to do and played the game to get it all well, being incredible song you know musicians
1: yeah and i i i wonder i don't know i mean i haven't read the books i think i read a sting book a long time ago and i don't remember much of it hmm it's all the drugs i did in the 60s um but i wonder if they also just didn't like dressing like punk's and doing that punk rock thing cuz they really liked it and they loved doing that and they also loved all this other stuff so that's just kind of what they did like i wonder how no, much i've other read interviews they, they knew to... what they were doing i have okay. read
0: books and interviews they i mean look at sting he was a school teacher and in a jazz band right before the police yeah and he saw the world around him and said this is what i need to do
1: yeah that's interesting i went out, yeah because i wonder because you know to me i look at the old videos of them and they are giving it 100%. Like, they're in it 100%. Like, they don't seem... They're not phoning it in, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing about their performance that reads as as artificial to me. Sometimes I mean, listen, in the 80s and everybody's running all that crazy stuff, I don't know that's artificial, but that was kind of just what everybody did. So... It was the uniform like you know if you work in an office you wear a suit and tie if you were a rock star you dress like a lunatic you know what i mean you dress like some space alien or some shit it was just some wacky shit but you know other than that kind of period of time it seemed like like they were all genuine but that's an interesting question like i guess i have the question forming as i'm speaking right like how much of you can be can like what is the ratio all right Can you be 100% genuine in your delivery and performance while still packaging it in a way that can be slightly contrived? Doesn't mean, like, contrived meaning bad. Just meaning contrived meaning, like, purposeful for the point of gaining attraction. You know what I mean?
0: I do, because when I lived in Los Angeles, um, uh, the Ashton Kutcher show Punked took off, and suddenly... Every single comic was wearing those fucking trucker hats, those uh, yeah. baseball caps that looked like not not base not not the sport baseball, but a baseball cap that but was a trucker hat, and it was fucking insane. It was the image of the day, and comics wanted in because in Los Angeles, a lot of them were uh, actors too. They just wanted to get seen, but that was the image. So I don't know how many of them were genuine, but I'm sure that there were a couple that were like okay shit i just got to be seen i have all the shit i want to say and if this is what people are paying attention to this is what i'll look like i'm sure a lot of people just did it because that was the scene but uh, there were probably a couple that said this is what i got to do and gave it a shot
1: i mean yeah it's it's an interesting question you know like i i feel like i don't know i i guess You know, like, it's one of those things, like, I remember when I got into a band, the first band I'd gotten into that had a publicist. And I remember them taking my bio and asking me a bunch of questions and then reworking it. And when I got it back, I was like, who the hell is this? It's like, who's this cat? I want to take lessons with this guy. He sounds great. You know what I mean? Like, like what they did to spin it, was incredible and that got me rethinking all of the biographies that i'd read of all the famous people i was like oh right this is literally spin designed to make this person the most to to it's designed for me to be as attracted to them as i can be do you know what i mean not to the point of outright lying all the time but to the point of like Speaking the truth, but with a heavy slant towards making me like sucking me into a story, you know. And I was like, "Oh, that's interesting," because it works. Like I read the bi, I read and listen to biographies all the time of famous musicians, and I love it. I love that stuff. But I also know what people have made in, uh, my biography look like. You know what I mean? And I'm like, "Oh, right." Like, you know, some of that shit is just bullshit. You know, We're, but. How much of that matters if you know that if your delivery is genuine? Do you know what I mean? Like, or if the
0: product is good.
1: Right. Right. I mean, I guess I guess here's the question. I guess it comes down to this, right? It's like, it's the art of manipulation, whether it's good or bad, is when they know what you know, are they
0: happy or are they sad? Are they mad or sad? Right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of it a different way, sort of. If the bio is fake or not fake, but enhanced or it, it's like a commercial or a trailer for a movie where if the movie is good, then you're like, oh, that was great. But if the movie sucks, you're like, wow, that trailer, they put all the best parts in it. Or if you right. buy a product because of the commercial, you're like, and the product is good, you're happy and you become a loyal customer. Absolutely. But if you buy a product and it sucks, you're like, wow, fucking marketing. It it bit me yeah. in the ass again.
1: Yeah. Exactly, and I, I think that's exactly it, right? It's almost that's almost it's a it's a different way of saying what I was saying, essentially, right? Like when they know what you know, are they happy? Like when they find out, do they feel like they've been cheated, or do they feel like they got a good deal and they're glad? Do you know what I mean? Like, are you glad you saw the trailer and went to see the movie, or are you pissed off? You know, and I think that's a real thing, and it would be. But, right, like, but who's to say, right? Like, at the end of the day, that's why, like, I feel like you can't, I feel like it's a bad idea to spend your time trying to make things that make other people happy, right? Like, I think what ideally, for me at least, what I have to do is trust that, like, make music that I love and trust that I have good taste. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of it, right? Like, that's all you can do, right? You have to write jokes that you love. You have to write bits that you love. You have to write, tell stories that make you crack up laughing. Because if you don't think it's funny, it's not because you're a comic that you don't think it's funny. It's because it's not funny. Do you know what I mean? Like, if it doesn't make you laugh every time you think about it in your head a little bit, like every time you think about the joke, you go, know, "That's pretty fucking funny." You know what I mean? Then it's probably not that funny, because that means you think that your taste is better than the audience's. Because if you don't find it funny, then what the fuck are you telling to them for? Do you know what I mean? Right? Like, you're the you're the first line of defense, right? Like trust that you have good taste in comedy and then write shit you think is fucking hilarious. That if somebody else delivered, you'd be pissing yourself laughing. Right. And that's, you know,
0: that's, that's what I do. I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm inside my head right now as you're speaking, I'm listening to you and I'm digesting the words and, and I'm, that is what I do. And generally when I am on stage, knock on wood and I'm not trying to, Let's go back to ego. I'm not trying to sound like an egotistical dick here, but I I haven't had a genuinely bad show in a really long time where I just, I, I'm in a groove right now where I know when I get on stage, I look in an audience and unless the circumstances are very strange, I just go, I got this. I can, I, I got this. I, I get on stage and I see other comics that are nervous and oh, I don't know about this and I'm like... I feel I can do this, and when I do get on stage, I hear the response. I, I, it happened right before we went into COVID, where I, I, uh, the other comics got sort of tepid responses, and I'm looking at it going, is it the audience or is it them? They're okay. What can I? and I got on stage and it just popped them. Like the audience went from a five to a t- eight or nine or ten immediately when I started talking, and. again not saying this right because i'm saying this now as i as i say all these things like "Ah, i'm so good and i can make audiences laugh then i get in the back of my head going then why the fuck aren't you further along in your career why does nobody give a shit about who you are uh, why have you never been on television
1: well and
0: and you know uh, i can come up with a thousand excuses but are any of them valid or am i just full of shit when i'm standing on stage going i can hear the laughter this is this is real
1: I I think that what I, you know, I was thinking about teaching, right, like in this time of COVID, everybody's kind of figuring out what their what their niche is, you know what I mean? And I think that, to a degree, micro niching is like, if we're talking about like, kind of dovetailing on what we're talking about before, like, you know, doing your own thing, right? Like the police, like, I feel like you, if you micro-niche, you have a much higher likelihood of being successful. I fundamentally believe that, right? But I think that the way you micro-niche is just by being as genuine as you can, you know? But um, I think that when I was thinking about teaching, I was thinking about my, my ideas of, of, of music and what's important. And one of the things I think that it, it kind of breaks down to a handful of different things, right? You have to have a a really good sense of rhythm, good technique, a good a heart to instrument connection, and a good sense of melody, right? Like those are like those are to me. All, it takes all of those
0: to me to be. Do you have percentages girl. on all of them? Because the one that jumped out at me is the heart uh, that you mentioned when you said what heart to instrument. The heart to instrument connection. Like yeah. People
1: have to feel something when you when you do what you do. They need to feel something, not just hear something and intellectually appreciate it. It has to. They, well, has I mean, I would go them. You know,
0: and not just heart, I like that, but I also think, and I'm going to turn this uh, selfish uh, to give you something to work with. it it, the the instrument honestly i know this is a cliche but should be an extension of your body and the way i say to to turn this to me is yeah i in full ego used to be a pretty good bass player like i look back at old songs that i was i'm like wow and i still fiddle around fiddle fart around and i pick it up and i'm like i am a pretty fucking god-awful mediocre bass player now and the difference is back then when i played all the time i had no fear and I just, it I that's what I did, I played. And now when I pick it up, I'm in my head, and I'm thinking, and it's not flowing, and it's like, what's the next note? How do I move my fingers? And that's the difference between good and bad, or natural and unnatural or genuine, is is if it's just flowing, if it's an extension of who you are, if there's a groove, like you said, rhythm, then you can teach. But if you're just like... Okay. Now I hit this note. Now I hit this note. Now I hit this note three times. No, four times. Now, I, like, I can feel when I'm playing these days that I am in my head, that it is not flowing, and that to me is the difference between a master and not even an apprentice, but just a a novice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I. I. I mean, I feel like there's a certain amount of. I mean that's really what it is, right? Like then that's what the technique is for, right? Like I feel like all those things are important because, you, because what you, what what I need, right? I won't put this on anybody else. What I need is to be unencumbered enough mentally to allow the muse to come have her way with me. Do you know what I mean and if I'm all up in my head she's not gonna have her way with me because I'm not paying attention to her
0: you know <laughs> like yeah that makes I'm a lot of sense not, you know that, and that's so, how I write jokes people right. always talk about a comedy and like oh I'm gonna sit down with a pen and paper I know comedians that sit down with a pen and paper and say I need to write a joke and and I know a couple that I really like but I know a lot that do that that I I, I listen to the jokes and I'm like okay that does feel forced like you were trying to be clever. Whereas, and this is just me, and obviously I'm a nobody sitting in a basement in Iowa, I'm a fucking failure, so don't take my word on this, but when I write a joke, it either just flows out of me or it doesn't, or at least the idea does. Like, I'm not saying the joke flows out of me perfect, but the idea just sort of pops from a natural space from like, oh, oh, that's something. Okay, that's something right there, not, whereas the reverse is, hmm, coffee shops what's funny about coffee shops do <laughs> you, you know what i mean where you try and makes. oh i just said do you know what i mean ha
1: ha <laughs> it's rubbing off on you
0: you're rubbing off on me black man
1: yeah well i mean i think it, i mean i think that at the end of the day i honestly believe that it, at least for me again i won't put this on anybody else music is an art and a craft there's an art to it and there's a craft to it and when they say that you know 20 percent inspiration 80 percent perspiration that's that's largely true you know like there are songs that i write and it takes five minutes and it's really good one of my favorites hold on (coughs) Mm.
0: i hope you're wearing a mask because otherwise all the listeners are going to get covid they are um
1: but, you know, like there's songs I write in five minutes and they just flow out. And then there's other ones that I slave over and I love them all the same. And at the end, I think they're all the same amount of quality. Just some I got to really quickly and some I had to, they they beat me up. You know, I had to work. I had to, you know, it took a lot. You know what I mean? Like it was a fight, you know? And, yeah, um, I have jokes you know, like that. Where I have yeah, the
0: idea right. and I try it and it doesn't work, and I try it and it doesn't work, and I sit on it and I'm driving and I'm just sort of muttering to myself. And yeah. it could be a week or a month or sometimes even a year later. Yeah. Where yeah. it'll just come out of me. I'm like, that's what I was looking for. And other times it's like, that's the joke right there. Like, first time yeah. is boom, it just lands.
1: Yeah. I mean, right. That's right. And sometimes it just flows. Sometimes it. Sometimes you know, you and the muse have, have just get it in, and it's like, wow, that was great. And other times, you know, you got to work for it. You know what I mean? I've kind of learned to accept them both, but I, I do find that when I sit down to write a song, the more I sit down to consciously write a song, the more the creativity shows up in those moments. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can sit down and write a song that's kind of contrived, and out of the writing of that contrived song, a cool lick will show up, and that lick will turn into something, and then it's no longer contrived, because I've scrapped the one thing and started going down a different rabbit hole that's no longer contrived. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like...
0: Yeah, I'm not sure exactly where I'm
1: going with this, but...
0: Well, I... It's different, but the same. Uh, there was a great... Can't think of the name of it. Fucking can't think of the name of it. Uh, documentary on U2 and the making of Octung Baby, the album that almost broke up the band because it was such a departure from Joshua Tree. They were uninspired. But the way U2 records is they record everything. They just sit yeah. down and start playing. And... Um, then they will take snippets that feel inspired and turn those into songs. And sometimes, you know, Edge will have it. But one of their biggest hits, the song One, came from a snippet in mysterious ways where they all admit they were sort of upset with one another and nothing was working and they were just trying this song. And all of a sudden, Edge did a couple of chord changes and Bono said, holy shit, that right there and they wrote the song one and then everything just sort of like that was the dam bursting. So yeah, yeah it, writing anything it can be a snippet that saves everything. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I I think that I think that just the act of sitting down to be creative it's not that you can force it cuz you can't force it to happen, but you can you can Again, nudge it like, along or you can yeah. open
0: yourself up to it
1: yeah right like i feel like there's a way to to like what i say right like free yourself up enough mentally for the muse to come half our way with you you know what i mean like continue, another way of putting I mean. that would be like, like, I keep to saying get out that. of your that's own way hilarious right that's exactly it right get a like what and that to me is the work right the work is not necessarily how do you wiggle your fingers on the instrument how do you stand up on stage and tell a joke how do you be funny do you know what I mean like that that is it kind of right like how do you deliver jokes and stuff there's a certain amount of technique involved right but most of my work these days is spent on how to get out of my own way enough mentally emotionally to be able to have a connection so that when I play the instrument I feel deeply when I play Right. If the song is sad, am I willing to go into those sad places so that when I play it, it comes out that way? Am I like, what does it take for me to do that? And what does it take mentally for me to be deeply genuine on stage? You know, like what is the work necessary for me to be comfortable enough to expose those parts of myself necessary to be genuine? Do you know what I mean? Like, what is that mechanism that, like, where does the fear come from? Why why am I afraid of that? Why do I hesitate, right? That's the stuff I really work on. And obviously figuring out how to play the instrument, right? Learning how to, where all the notes are and all that shit, obviously, right? You do that kind of practicing, but but figuring out how to play the instrument, that's not the easy part, but that is ultimately the easy part. Do you know what I mean? Like and I, I don't I I really do say that a lot, don't I? Wow, it's shocking.
0: You do. But uh, you just made me think of an idea. God. Well, I thought of two things. Um <laughs> one thing I thought of was there's another way of phrasing what we're talking about, and that's um I I'm not sure of the exact phrase, but it's the idea of letting God flow through you. And I'm yeah. saying that as a mostly atheist kind of agnostic, not certain not in interested in any fucking man made religion, but you let God flow through you. You get out of the way and just whatever the the energy is. Yeah, but the yeah. other thing I thought was thinking when you just said that is uh, God bless him, uh, Neil Pert, the drummer from Rush. I, I I don't know how to say this because it's it's kind of insulting. I guess uh, just fantastic drummer. I mean a rhythmist. Uh, I'm trying to make up a word here, rhythmatist. I don't know. Sure. Um, I mean, he just fantastic. Have you ever heard his jazz album, though?
1: I mean, uh, yeah, I don't think he swings so hard. But
0: that's what I was know. just gonna say. Like yeah. my, I remember my buddy playing it for me. We were it was a comedian, and we were driving in North Dakota, and he said, "Hey, I want you, I want you to hear something." And, and he put a CD in, and that sort of gives you a little time stamp for the story. Uh, could have <laughs> wasn't an eight track, and it wasn't a cassette, but it was a CD and uh, the song started and i'm listening to it and it's ting ting ta-ting, ting ta-ting, ting 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 boom tap ting 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 but i i think i almost sort of did it even better than that it was just this most it had no feel it had no swing it sounded like someone counting one and two and three and the but but it's jazz and jazz is supposed to be about emotion or feel or there there's a loose beat not a rigid on the beat and after a couple of minutes, I'm like, dude, this just sucks. And he started laughing. He's like, guess who it is? It's Neil Pert. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. When he is... And I like Rush. I saw Rush Live several times, and I like a lot of their songs. They were very tight, whereas jazz is loose. And, and Neil Pert, very tight. He would never miss the beat. Very, very precise. And, and again, I don't... I can't, I'm trying not to insult him, because I love him. He's a great drummer. But when it comes to emotion... I don't know that, that rush wasn't even known for their emotions. They wouldn't make you cry. They couldn't break your heart. You would be impressed with them. I love them. I love them. I like them. They don't break your heart. You don't put on rush when you need to feel, when you when you want to be touched in the in the depths of your soul. And that I mean,
1: yeah, I, I don't I don't think that music was written for that. I think that I mean, I don't no. say that to be funny, but like, you know, I I start started teaching again and some of the songs that the kids want to learn i'm like wow that's just crazy and then i think back to what i listened to when i was their age and i go back and listen to that music and i go oh this stuff was written for teenage boys and I'm not saying that that's what Rush was written for. I'm not saying that at all. But, you know what I mean? Like, it was written for a certain demographic that wanted a certain experience. And, you know, like, and that's I... not jazz. You know? I don't mean, no. you know. No, like, I know. And, and, he's you know, again, they micro-niche, right? They do one thing and they do it yeah, amazingly and they... well. And that's Very what they well. do. That's what they do. You know what I mean? Let me tell well, you, yeah.
0: you you know this story, but just for the listeners, we'll pretend like I'm telling you, uh, or I could just remind you, my favorite story back in the day when I was a bass teacher, if you remember, um, I taught for half a minute uh, and I had one student that came in and said, I want to learn some Marilyn Manson tunes. I'm like, oh God, <laughs> fucking Why? But uh put the CD in, and I started playing along immediately. And it was just like, wow, how did you do that? And I'm like, do you really want to know the truth? They're like, yeah. I'm like, this sucks. That's how I did that. This is, <laughs> this is not difficult. I didn't do it because I'm great. It's because this is really bad. This is really shitty, simple playing. And I didn't say it like that, but I, I, I did sort of say, like, well, the reason I could figure this out in a half a second and even know where the next note is going Without ever having heard the song, is because it's not really good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, or, but again, I mean, micro niching. Uh, yeah, I mean, Marilyn Manson was like, for a certain demographic.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, right. I mean, his music. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like when you play the blues, you know, like, and I use the blues as, as an example because I remember, you know, ten, fifteen years ago. I would have hate, I was in a blues band and I hated it. I liked it. It was fun, kind of, but part of me hated it because I hated playing the same patterns over and over and over and over again, and the drummers playing too bad to do just the shuffle just I wasn't into it at all and now I love it like there's it's a, it's like a funny thing, but I found a way to be expressive within the notes. Do you know what I mean like I don't like and I feel like when I, like, let me all right, all let me tie this into your story. I feel like Marilyn Manson's music was not written for people who want to play bass. Do you know what I mean? It was written for. People I feel who Marilyn Manson's like,
0: music wasn't written for people that like music, but well, that's just me. Ass. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, but no, I mean, really, like, like what you lo- what you buy Marilyn Manson music for is not to hear the bass playing. You buy it because. You want to hear what he has to say because you agree with his sentiment and his take on life. It you buy it because you hate it. your dad
0: and he didn't hug you when you were a kid. Again,
1: you're an ass. Uh,
0: why do you think Dylan and Eric listened to it before they went and shot up Columbine? Oh
1: good Lord. I... But, you know, but, I mean, but ultimately, that, but that's who that music was written for. I mean, not school shooters, but, like, the music was Disaffected written... Disaffected youth. <laughs> right, like, that's who it was written for. It was written for, like, you know, yeah, like, right, like, people who felt that way. And, you know, when we were kids, it was, like, The Cure and The Smiths and shit like that. That's what, you know, like that's what disgruntled white kids listen to, you know what i mean? If they didn't listen to metal, that's what they listened to and it spoke to them, you know? and that was their that was their experience. It's like, okay, i get that. Do you know what I mean like like, you know, i think if you're a storyteller and you just tell the story. I mean, i guess that's what it is, right? Like to tie it all back to the beginning. You know, we're essentially like griots, you know what i mean? Like we're essentially like storytellers. You tell your stories through jokes. I tell mine through music, through songs. And if you tell stories that people want to hear and relate to, you'll do okay. Do you know? And I find that for me, the more deeply personal I get, the more universal my song becomes. In some weird, twisted sense, the more deeply I go into to some emotion that is really personal for me, the more I end up telling a thousand people's story, you know? It's fascinating how it works to me. Like, I find that to be truly fascinating. And I would imagine the same thing is true in comedy, right? Like, you're a well, I've said child, that about,
0: you know. I've said that about jokes forever, is that there are two ways to be universal. And one is to pander and try and be everything to everyone. And the other is to be so personal that you can't help but be universal. I've, I've said that for years. Yeah. And I chose that path is I chose the path of I want to talk about me. I want to talk about my ideas, my family, my beliefs.
1: But, but I mean, but do you go deeply into it? Because, I mean, I think if you stay on the surface and I'm not accusing you of this, it's really a, a question more than some kind of statement failed as a question. Like, I feel like if you stay on the surface, you end up really. It might as well be pandering, you know what I mean? And I you, do, and I know, think I'm getting
0: there. I, I, and yeah. I, I, to, get to go all the way back to the beginning is I was really proud of this album. Um, yeah. Not all of it, like, if I'm going to be completely honest, when I listen to him like, okay, this joke could be a little better. This, but there's one that you, you're familiar with, the 23-minute joke, mm. one joke that's 23 minutes long that that's probably one of the most personal things I've done. And I mean, yeah. it just goes all over the place where I, I I'm not even going to try and explain it, but it, it gets deep into the core of who I am to one point where, um, you know, I've, I've, I, the album is called, This Could Get Awkward. Because that bit, the title bit, This Could Get Awkward, is so long and 23 minutes. But people don't even realize it's one joke until it gets to the end. So yeah. it's not like I'm talking for 22 minutes and then there's a punchline at the end. It's it's constant laughter <laughs> and storytelling. That would be horrible. <laughs> 22 minutes of like, okay, it's, it's coming. Don't worry. There's a punchline coming. It's going to get funny at the end. But there is a point in the middle where... Oh, It does get awkward because it gets silent where I'm talking about my childhood and my mother and father fighting and how that led me on the path to being a comedian without giving anything away. Um, Yeah. And the audience is just sort of silent as they're looking at me going, whoa. And then I bring them around a second later with a big laugh and, you know, they're like, holy shit, what just happened? You know, and and so that... I think I'm getting there. I, I I I haven't always been there. I've always talked about me, but I think I'm getting more and more comfortable with just okay, fuck it. You're you're in the audience and you came out to laugh and I'm going to make you laugh. And you know, I'm not going to be a dick about it, but we're we're going to we're in this together, but you got to trust me and come with me. I'm not going to yeah. you get, just take my hand, trust me. You and maybe not all of you will laugh, but I'm going to do my best job. And yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I think that that it, it's it's one of those things where, like, and this is what I this is the, what I think the difference is between good and great. It's like, like, it's getting up on stage and realizing that they didn't come to have a good time; they came to see you. You know what I mean? It's not like they came to have a good time, and it's your t- and it's your job to show them a good time. It's that they actually came to see you, so give them the best you have. Do you know what I mean? Like it ends. It can be the same thing. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a difference to me between act as if, fake it till you make it, and having enough faith that investing in yourself and you doing everything you can that you would do if you believed one hundred percent you were gonna be successful leads to you being successful. There's like they may look the same, but they but the intention is somehow different, you know what I mean? Even though they can appear to be the same, you know?
0: I like that. I do, however, think that there is a difference here, and I think we've talked about this between comedy and music. Yeah. In that I think quite often people do just sort of, ah, let's go to the comedy club where they're not there to see me they there to see whatever dick bag is behind the microphone yeah, at the time but, but because, I mean, well, here, let me quick finish. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I apologize. But the, the difference is uh, you are part of the Katie Henry band and You play blues, so you will be at a blues bar, and anybody that goes to that bar knows, hey, I'm going to go see a blues band. Now, people are going to go see comedy, yes, but in a comedy audience, I'm going to have people that like country music, that like rock and roll, that like blues, that like jazz, that like opera, baby, that like hip-hop, that, and I have to appeal to all of them. You are not going to have someone randomly Mm. going walking into a blues bar and going, the fuck, I wanted to hear rap music. You guys
1: suck let me let me let me throw this out at you though because this sure. could be a real problem right because when i was in a like i had a thought and once i got over the initial pain of having a thought i once i could process it a little bit i got to the point well, let me i'll tell you the thought it's actually so funny humble like i assume that you can read my mind right which is just so not true I was I was running around doing kind of what you're talking about, right? I had a band and we got really good at reading the audience, and we could play a Stevie Wonder song, and we could play some James Brown, and we could play some Bob Marley, and we could play some uh, Van Morrison and some Journey. Like, we and Bruno Mars, like, we ran, we had all up the, until uh, you know. the first
0: one and the last one. I'm like, okay, you do know you're black, right? When you're right. talking about Journey and all right. that shit. I'm like, right. you, you, are, you are black, okay, right?
1: But that's what i right. We could play black music, white music, whatever that means, right? Like, if we're like, Classify music racially right like we we could play all that stuff we could play a bunch of stuff and that band did well we worked and we made decent money and then i got into a blues rock band that was very specialized the the musicians are no better the songs are not necessarily better they're just all catered towards a certain thing so yeah there'll be people who come to the show and they fucking hate it you know what they won't come back But the people who who liked it will come back and bring two friends. So it's not like there'll be less people there. There'll just be more people that actually like it. Do you know? I I like that a lot. That's very smart. Right, and and like and that was a a really a, a powerful awareness for me because, like, there's this idea that if I lose people that that's a good thing but that's a bad thing but it's not right like if you go if you like if you follow your instagram metrics right you'll lose people all the time like i lose people all the time who i'm not actually friends with and who don't actually give a shit about my life they just liked me because i like them or because we met at a gig somewhere and we liked each other's stuff because it's the way we say hello these days right it's a anyways so when we say goodbye oh yeah that was really great meeting you you yeah, will let's follow each other on spotify okay cool On whatever on instagram yeah cool see you later and you leave right and then like six months later you're like who the fuck is this and you just stop following them so i lose people all the time but my numbers end up staying kind of the same right like it'll go down it'll go up and it'll go down it'll go up and it'll go down it'll go up but my my if i'm not out constantly meeting people then these are people now that i'm gaining because they actually like what they see so those are people who actually want to follow me so it's good you know what i'm saying like and i feel like when it comes down to the to the thing if you're telling jokes if you're on stage and you're trying to make everybody happy like fuck that make the people who you want to be in your audience happy and then get rid of the people who don't think you're funny and then when you go to the club they will be coming to see you do you know what I mean? Right. I like, do. Here you know. is
0: my problem and solution with that. I have mm-hmm. both parts, so I'm not just whining and complaining. Um, <laughs> club owners, that is not their bag. They are definitely in the business of, uh, hey, you got a complaint? I'm not going to hire you back. But I mean, they're,
1: but they but right, I don't mean to be argumentative, but they're not. They are. They oh, are comedy club owners. No, are. I mean they are at a certain level, but one level up, they're not
0: right exactly that's where you know i was I mean? going like, is but
1: how do you get to that next level if you don't do what the people in the next level are doing
0: how well do and that's where there? i was going is the solution is um to it's it's sort of a well look at it this way it's it's obamacare versus it's joe biden versus bernie sanders <laughs> <laughs> uh bernie sanders dropped out today so it's it's very relevant uh bernie sanders wanted to blow up the health care system all at once, he literally wanted to say from day one of my presidency, I'm going to, you know, universal health, he wanted to blow it up. And it would have, it would have been a shock to the system. It would have put a lot of companies out. of I mean, it just wasn't going to happen. Whereas Biden is, we're going to keep expanding Obamacare. We're just going to keep on the course and keep expanding. And that's kind of what I think I do is I can't win over everybody in the room unless I completely pander, which I'm never going to do. But I can really win some over with my point of view and not piss off the ones that aren't going to like me. If that makes sense. Like I'm not going to get on stage and Lenny Bruce it where you're pissing people off, but I want to bring enough that like some people might forget who I am or like, Oh, I like that. That was good. But my focus on getting is getting the ones that say that was really good. I do want to bring that next person back next time. So it's, it's a middle ground between, i'm not trying to walk anybody out yeah if anybody says i don't want to come back but i want to get the ones that are not are going to stay and be super happy
1: i'm gonna i i I hesitate to say this because i say it to myself just as much as i say it to you i don't know i i don't know that i like that i feel like it's like an enduro motorcycle right you take the best you take you take two really good things and you smash them together and it doesn't become a Reese's peanut butter cup. It becomes an enduro motorcycle where it's like, it's a street legal dirt bike that's not fun to ride on the dirt because it's got all this weird shit on it to make it street legal. And it's got knobby tires and other shit which makes it uncomfortable and weird to ride all over cement and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there there's, it's funny because we talk about this more off air but I got a call from someone today that um, we ended up talking about education and college and is it worth it for people to go to college these days? And I said, you know, the thing that I find is that that middle class and below, they teach their children to go to college to get a job. Like, well, if you don't go to college, if you don't get, if you don't major in something practical, you won't, you won't be able to make a living. You'll starve. That's literally the kind of messages that you get taught. How are you going to make a living if you major in blah, 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 right? But the upper class, you know, upper, middle, middle, upper, middle and above They go to college not to make a living. They go to college because they invest in themselves, and they believe that investing in themselves is the smartest thing they can do because it means when they walk through the door, they'll be worth a certain amount of money, and they can actually live a lifestyle that that they can shape a little bit because they have this education. Now, those are gross generalizations, obviously, right? But I think that there's a huge difference there, and I think that if you go to a gig and your goal is not to lose the gig, that's not the same thing as playing to win. Like, playing not to lose and playing to win are not the same thing, even if you win.
0: Do you know what I mean? I, I do. I'm sitting here in silence because I have no pushback against this. I'm just, I it's 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 really compelling, and it's really what I need to hear right now. That's, that's why I'm not responding, is because I'm just sort of like, fuck, he's right. I, I can't this is not a point counterpoint argument. I have, I have nothing. Uh, if this were a debate, you'd win. <laughs> well, <laughs> if this were a debate team and we were in front of like gangly high school students, right. they'd be going point to the dreadlocks.
1: Right. I mean, I'm I really, I, I listen to these two, these two cats talk two like intellectual cats or liberal trying to figure out how to save the planet and stuff. And, they really one of them was really talking about how to create a risk, a uh, a rivalry free, rivalry free relationships globally, and I was like, what a fascinating concept! If we could have, like, like if I can genuinely be happy for you when you have a great success and not be envious of your success, right? Like, and I'm really learning how to do that. I find, again, the happier I am with my life, the more I'm literally able to enjoy other people's successes because I'm not competing with them because I'm actually happy, right? (laughs) Like it's a weird thing. When I'm unhappy in my life, I'm not able to enjoy my friends' successes. Like I feel judgy and fucked up and do you know what I mean? Like it's shitty. Like I oh, I, I know like, what you mean, you know and I think that's
0: human. I think oh, a lot of people right, but, live that life.
1: Right, but when I'm happy in my own life, I'm I don't feel that way at all. It's really odd. Like I'm when I'm doing something that makes me happy, I no longer have to begrudge other people their happiness. It's really fascinating, you know, it's fascinating to me that, like, I don't know, like, it, it's liberating, actually, when I pieced it together. And, again, it came down to making the music that I like in a way that I like making it with people I like making it with. Like, it was really, like, just saying, okay, right, like, like, kind of that's it. I wanted to start playing to win. I was like, listen, I this is what I want to do. And I think we could be good at it. So let's just get on it. You know what I mean? Let's get on it and start being good at something and play to win. You know what I mean? And it's working so far. You know what I mean? We're not rich and famous, but, you know, I saw the Muppet movie. They went to Hollywood and they got their rich and famous contract. I know where Hollywood is. <laughs> it's a great fucking movie. And I never...
0: Never never did it justice. Some people talk about the sequels oh, and they're one. like, I, no, first uh, one's the best.
1: Uh, the, I don't know. There, there's a great line in The, the Muppets Go to Space where of uh, somebody missed, they're having breakfast and Miss Piggy leaves and somebody says where's the where's the bacon and they said she just left the room <laughs> or something like that and I thought that was hilarious you obviously don't think it's funny
0: but I do don't even that think I've funny? seen that one I think I was uh, too let down by Muppets Take <laughs> Manhattan to ever see another one
1: <laughs> there's a couple funny lines in, they, like I think that there's a couple of gems in each one that are just like side-splittingly funny but the first one is just it's a classic oh, such a good yeah, and it movie. has heart it really does it really really does. i think that's what
0: the others missed is a sense of of heart going all the way back to uh, the the connection that you talked about I, th- I think the others were just more they felt like sequels whereas the first one was there was a, it had a point to it it had a at a point it had emotion it had a message i'm not sure the others had a message I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, you're talking about Muppets in space. What's the message?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think Gonzo found his people, man. (laughs) I think that was the – Gonzo found his people. You're trying to say he can't have his – he can't be free. Set my people free. He's not allowed to be free.
0: Well, I think this uh, may start devolving too far as we are, j- oh, <laughs> as we are talking about Muppets it in Space has. ourselves. We should probably <laughs> sign it off because we yes, I think we indeed. hit a pretty good peak with you uh, hitting me. I, I'm going to have to, when I throw this together, listen to that last part, play to win. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where I've probably heard the quote a million times and I, it's just the way you phrased it uh, as a counter to my, you know, Biden- Bernie bullshit that I was coming up with off the fucking top of my head, not like I planned any of that. I just sort of uh, bullshitted it out there. But uh, yeah, yeah, good stuff. All right, yeah, well, indeed. I hope uh, anybody that tuned in found it uh, good as well. I hope uh, I hope you visit uh, antargoodwin.com, um, katiehenrymusic.com. Did I get it right? You did. It's oh, the second time I've gotten it right. Usually I say katiehenryband.com or Band, or I always get it just close but that's the the katie henry band is uh where uh barrett is a part of barrett and uh, antargoodwin.com nathantimble.com and uh i'm muppetmovie.com I'm maybe why yes. not let's throw that one out there
1: <laughs> indeed all right thanks for
0: listening if you got anything out of this then tell your friends to tune in all right yeah. bye yeah. see ya